Good Looking Out, episode number 60, a podcast about what to eat, watch, read, and listen to. I'm Eric. I'm Jason. Santos. I am also very, very happy to see you, my friend. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. It's been a minute. So, yeah, man. So since, since we last recorded... You have been to the UK and back. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? I have. I will. I'll hit it quick um, because I don't believe we have a ton of listeners on that side of the pond. But um, I will say this. Um, I was in Manchester. Um, and that is a really great town. I would call it the sister town of Minneapolis, in fact. Um, it's at the same size. It has the same kind of, um, it's got a vibe about it that I, I think it was, I don't know, the whole time I was there, yeah. I was just like, people People were very friendly and people were like, you know, really? yeah, people were huh. were like talking. It wasn't like London. My experience in the UK is London, which is basically New York, you know, right. and, um, and um, but no, but Manchester was, people were extremely friendly, and um, I had a great time. There was a super successful trip. I was there shooting a film, as you know, my my yep. documentary that I'm making. I was shooting it about the musical that our friend Mark Holthusen has directed. Um, they had press night last night. The musical is called Corrido de la Sangre, and it's a co-production with the Tiger Lilies. And for anybody that doesn't know um, how the shows work you you have your premiere night which is a big night of course because it's your first yeah. time showing your 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 piece of work to any live audience um but then what happens is you get about four or five performances until press night so you can hmm. make adjustments and so you know you watch the premiere and um you're like oh okay well, all right people were laughing there okay let's Let's um let's adjust and and maybe highlight there a little bit. Oh, this didn't play that well. Oh, the curtain didn't respond that well. That where let's redo the curtain and you know they planned on doing a you know an encore that was kind of written for with an American audience in mind and it was really funny. Like the British audience, like the the this, the house lights come on. And lots of times that's, you know, an American audience will stand up, they'll clap, you know, hopefully they'll yeah, stand up, yeah, but yeah. you clap and then the house lights come back down and the encore happens. And in the UK, the house lights come up and they fuck off straight to the bar. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> like in the media mente, they're like right. out of there. So, so, um, they had a bunch of adjustments after premiere, um, I mean, not a bunch, but uh, some slight tweaks. And um, they had press night last night, and it was fucking gangbusters. The reviews are through the roof. Um, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, to the point where, like, there's blasphemy happening to of, like, people talking about, like, crazy awards. and um, Wow. Yeah. And, like, and people just saying, you know, Mark Holthusen's visuals are sublime they're mind-blowing they um it's really exciting wow good for him good for mark yeah i love it right isn't it good to see you see somebody that deserves it get it yeah well especially because his whole industry is sort of evaporated around him yeah for sure man i mean i'm really glad i have other friends who are struggling you know Right. Who were doing really well in the commercial photography field who are now like, what the fuck do I do? You know, we're, t- yeah, we're talking about people that are at the, at the absolute top tier. Yeah. Of the absolutely. game. Yep. Yeah. And all of a sudden the like work has dried up. Yeah. And you need to adapt. Um, yeah. And so any photographers listening um, I don't know, either take heed or know that we're thinking of you one way or the other. I mean, I yeah. came up in photography and, you know, and it was, it was juicy for a while, but those days are over, man. Yeah. I mean, I've got a couple of friends who are pivoting to video work and doing well. Good. But, um, you know. Not an easy shift. I, 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 yeah, it's not an easy shift and I do not envy them that. So 
We haven't talked since I got back from Sayulita. Dude, I forgot we got to talk. <laughs> we got to cover Sayulita. Yeah. So, uh, for those that don't know, Sayulita is a small sort of beach town um, about half an hour, 45 minutes outside of Puerto Vallarta. So, we caught a direct flight, whole family down to Puerto Vallarta, had a young, very nice young gentleman waiting for us, drove to the Mega, filled up the car with groceries at the Mega, headed down to Sayulita. Me- Mega's the Walmart there. for anybody. Yeah, Mega's like a Walmart. Kind maybe three. Like, yeah. Just as big, if not bigger, than your usual Walmart. Um, so we head into town, and it turns out, like, now that I've been there, like, maybe I'd stop once and get some stuff at the Mega, but you don't actually need to rely on the Mega in the same way you do if you go to the middle of nowhere, because there's, like, an organic market, there's really good produce markets, there's fish and meat markets, you know, like, you can get good stuff in Sayulita. So Sayulita's a small beach town. We get to the house, killer house, nice pool. Uh, the golf carts get delivered, you know, like it's all, but uh, honestly you didn't even need the golf carts necessarily because we were so pretty centrally located. Like you could walk to town in six minutes, seven minutes. Yeah. From where you were, you had a, you had a very centrally located position. So we, we were there on the second, we arrived at the tail end of the second busiest week of the year. And people partied and played music till four in the morning, like (laughs) outside our windows. And then after that, it was quiet, like not like oh, oh, so all you had to do was wait till fucking four a.m. No, I mean I I slept. I mean I woke up a couple times during the night, but I just went right back to sleep. Um, What about Nicole and the girls? They slept. So it's fucking boom, boom, boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck it, where the frosts are going to sleep. Till four in the morning, and I think Nicole had some issues sleeping that first night. I also didn't realize that there were earplugs uh, and the side tables because I didn't even open up the side tables next to our bed. In every room, there were earplugs, and now I know why. But it was also so it calmed down. The whole scene calmed down because we we arrived there on Easter, so it was Easter weekend. So everyone was like partying at the beach for Easter because <laughs> it's it's, an, sure. it's a national holiday. It, yeah, and and then. Um, so afterwards, it got pretty quiet for the week. I mean, there was like, you know, traffic or whatever because we were on the street, but nothing ever again like that. So, um, and the next day, Helen got up and went surfing. Oh, you mentioned had her that. Fir- had her first surf lesson. She ended up going four times. Really? Yeah, she went four times. And holy shit! So what was amazing is the first day. Nicole texted me. I was still asleep. And she said, can you bring another camera down? This camera ran out of batteries. So I get the camera, walk down to the beach, and I'm like walking down this beach. And like you said, it's like this is post-Easter partying. So like the beach is like a little – they're still like cleaning up the beach. You Mini know rain. I mean? Like it's, it's a little wrecked from the partying or whatever the night before. But there's people out there cleaning. Sun's coming up. It's getting light. I'm walking down there, and I expect to like arrive to – a frustrated kid in the water and like a total shit show. And as I'm walking up, Helen's out in the water with the instructor, who's this woman from the national Mexican surf team named Risa. Damn. She and her, she and her fiance Diego are like, both have this business together. So she's out in the water with Risa. She, a wave comes, she paddles, stands up on the board, rides the wave all no. the way. In. This is like 15 minutes into her first lesson, Dude. you know? And at the end, Risa was just like, I don't know. She's just a natural. Like, she just got it right away. So by the end, so, I'm like, you're, you're just yeah. so, <laughs> so, so proud. psyched. So yeah. proud. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's like an ex skateboard kid. You know, I'm like, right on. Oh, yeah. yeah. So um, by the end, of the, the end of the time, we were like, all went down there. The whole family was down there watching her. Uh, for her on her last lesson, and she's like learning, learns to she's learned to turn. Um, Seriously, yeah. This guy comes in, this like old kind of bedraggled super surfer dude, and it's like, is that your daughter out there? And I, we were, and I said, yeah, that, yeah, that's our daughter. And he's like, she's killing it, she's killing it. Seriously, <laughs> so yeah. Oh, I mean, it's just like, in a way, I'm like, it's amazing, and the other way, I'm like, what a horrible thing to be good at and live in Minnesota. 
<laughs> but um, I think this summer, Nicole is going to take her to um, La Jolla for a week La- and stay in La Jolla Shores and go to Dude. a kid's, sur- kid's surf camp in La Jolla. Yeah. So, luck- lucky kid. Lucky kid, yeah. And maybe the... Well, you know, she's been snowboarding for a long time, too. Um, when they go to the Utah, right? She's snowboarding. She skis, actually, but yeah. She skis. Yeah. Um, whatever. That's fucking awesome. Oh my god, I love it! I love it. Um, so I had, um, I want to, I want to um, touch on something that is kind of amazing about me. Um, okay. Tonight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah. No. Um, just a couple. Of, honestly, I, I want to give a couple of little tidbits. A couple things that happened tonight that are fresh in my mind. I want to drop them. Um, people really quick because I did them. Beth had a happy hour for her team here at the house and, um, you know, God bless her. She's like, you know, go buy some pinwheels at Costco. And I'm like, girl, I mean, not in this fucking lifetime. Am I, is that happening in this house? Am I buying a Costco fucking plate of pinwheels? No. Um, so Here's here's what I did. Here's the move. I will recommend this very highly to everybody. I'm going to fucking drop these recipes on you super quick. Um, white bean dip with toasts. Make your toasts however. Cut the baguette, olive oil, whatever. Throw them in the oven. Get them toasted up, whatever. So you got some little crisps to dip in the dip. The dip yep. into the food processor goes one can of white beans um, crack open a tin of anchovies, drizzle in the oil, drop in two, three anchovies, a bunch of shakes of Tabasco sauce, put in a tablespoon of, of the gray Poupon, um, put in some red wine vinegar, salt and pepper, um, hit the on button, drizzle in some olive oil, boom, you've got a fucking dip that people are, it's complex, it's super fucking hearty, it's got acid, it's got a little heat, it's fucking amazing, it's got the the anchovy, people don't know what it is, so it's just umami, and it's fucking killer, Mm -hmm. so make that, and then the other, I've made that, honestly, I've made that fucking 20 times, that's a standard for me. The other one I made was, I got some cream cheese, I got a can of nice crab meat, um, mixed it up with some chopped green scallions, a little cayenne, salt, pep, a little lemon zest, made a blend, then took a, a, a tin, a muffin tin with a, the, the mini cupcakes, you know, the little mini cupcake mm-hmm. things? Yeah. Um, brush it with oil. Are you sesame oil? Whatever the fuck, it doesn't matter. Just brush or spray it with Pam, it doesn't matter. Stick wonton wrappers in each of the things. Cram it full of that stuffing. Squeeze the tops shut. Spray it again with Pam. Give it a little bit of oil into the oven 350 till it fucking looks right. Pull them out. And you've got a goddamn crab rangoon that you eat. And you're like, why isn't every fucking Chinese restaurant just doing this in the beginning of the night? Because you order them and they taste like shit. And this is fucking so good. Just do it. It takes fucking 10 minutes. It's delicious. Wow. It's easy. You're a goddamn superhero. These these chicks were fucking eating out of my hand. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, so I will say, one night we decided to... Uh, this is the last story I'll tell about Sayulita. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. It's so good. We, just, we decided to do um, like a Mexican-inspired market where everyone in the house had to make some sort of either a Mexican craft or something inspired by like the things we'd encountered while going around Sayulita. Oh, so I got... God, you're actually good parents. It's fucking I got, so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Helen, Helen and I together made... Um, non-dairy ice cream and non-dairy um, popsicles. So we did fresh mango um, and coconut uh, milk popsicles, like kind of creamy, you know, mango chopped while you're there. Um, and then we made uh, also made a coconut milk 
with uh, fresh lime ice cream that was out of this world. Seriously. Um, so I helped her make that stuff. Vivian handmade like friendship bracelets. I actually have one of them on right now, but um, just let me like see it again. Little, let me see it. A, she just fingered knit it with like a little yarn or whatever. Little Bubba, cute. Uh, <laughs> and so what I did was, I got uh, fresh pineapple. Looked up on YouTube how to like chop a fresh pineapple, and what's funny is. Uh, it was a video made by someone in the States and they show you how to core it. But the thing is when you actually get a pineapple that's in Mexico, it's actually ripe. So oh. you don't have to, you don't have to core it because the core isn't actually tough. Dude. So I was like cutting out the core and then I was like, this seems like it's actually, so I was actually coring it and it's, I was like, this is actually just really good, delicious pineapple. Like the freshest, most delicious pineapple you've ever had. Yeah. So chopped it up hit it with the tahine, put that up. But then what I did was I got tomatillos, limes, avocados. Attaboy. And I, I made did the you go to El, El the Farlito salsa. Yeah. My and man. it was so good. Was it? <laughs> yeah, I got that. I got the chips. I had the pineapple. So I did sort of like my the Mexican market sort of first station was like my appetizers. Yeah. And Helen was the dessert. And then other people did a bunch of stuff. Most other people did arts and crafts stuff. And uh, Nicole's mom did, did a massage table. Um, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know they came along. Really good. Oh yeah, they came. Yeah. Um, nice. So, yeah. It was uh super fun, but it was awesome. It reminded me because that El Farlito salsa kills. Dude, it you cannot beat it. Blows minds. I did it blows recently minds. too. And whether I came close to it, and all you need to do is get in the neighborhood yeah. and it's amazing. Yes, absolutely. So I will say for those people that don't have a culinary bone in their body, I have found a jarred salsa oh. that comes incredibly, incredibly close to this El Farlito, like avocado salsa. It's a Her- Herdez, which is a Mexican brand. Yeah, I actually everywhere. got it in it's Mexico. It's everywhere. Yeah, it's everywhere. The Herdez guacamole salsa, incredibly close to the El Farlito. Interesting. Green guacamole salsa. Incredibly close. Really? And you can get it at like Cub for Dude, that shit's two, everywhere. two bucks. Herdez two bucks has, or whatever. Yeah, yeah they get yeah. distribution everywhere. Yeah, yeah. You, can, you can find that anywhere. Their guacamole salsa is legit. Fucking A. When I don't feel like making it, I, I seriously, I stock, and it's shelf-stable, so I stock like three or four jars of it in the house at all times. Get it cold, and you're there. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. I've got one in the fridge and two in the cupboard at all times. And if you want to put lipstick on a pig, chop a little fucking cilantro or squeeze a lime on right. it. Nobody. There you go. Yeah, nobody Boom. goes, shit. Oh, my God. People are going to be singing your praises. God damn. I love it. Good yeah. tip. Yeah, keep an eye out for that at the Mercado. Um, all right, so we got a lot to cover. Um, I want to maybe I, – I, I'd like to recall, uh, once again, we just had this happy hour. While it's fresh in my head, I kind of want to just do almost a, a hot take in the yeah. middle of the show here real quick. And Drop he, some knowledge. Drop some knowledge, my I friend. I don't know if it's knowledge. It's an opinion. Um, okay. And as we all know, that's that counts for knowledge on this show, um, on this podcast. <laughs> um, and I'd be interested in hearing your opinion. So um, we had uh, Beth's team it consists of mainly millennials and millennial women. Okay. And they're pretty ethnically diverse but they're you know ethnically they're diverse but they're all they're all southern california girls you know so um but they were super interested in for i don't know why but they were interested in my opinion on movies and they're like well you know and they started with like well what what movies do what what do we need to see what do we have to see what movies do you absolutely have to see and i was like all right well that's that's crazy like i mean i don't know where to start with that like that's that's too big i'm like it, all right, if you're hungry for movies and you want some good advice, let's try and steer you in the right direction. I'm like, well, tell me some movies that you do like, and then I'll spin off from there. So okay. um, the one that came up first was Heat. 
Hell yeah. And I was like, oh, that's a fucking great place to start. That's an amazing yeah, no kidding, fucking right? movie. I'm like, I can work with that. I'm like, okay, well, you know, that's Michael Mann. I'm like, I don't know that you, li- you probably don't like it because it's Michael Mann. So I won't, I won't really recommend any other Michael Mann films. But if you like Heat, that means you probably like De Niro and you like heist action kind of thing. So Ronan yeah. um, is an easy recommend on that one. Yeah. Um, and then they were like, okay, Ronan, cool. They're like, is that black and white or color? And I was like, well, it's new. It's, I mean, it's, you know, not new, but it's, you know, it's probably 20 New-ish. years old. It's, yeah. You know, so it's a modern film. It's about 20 years old. Um, and they're like, what's some other cool old ones? And I was like, well, the first one, I think, you know, that just to, to somebody that is just asking for like a crime kind of high tension sort of thing is you got to see Rafifi. Of course, yeah. So that was the it's other one of the one. greatest of all time. One of the yeah. greatest of all time. So that was my other one. And for that genre, I'll, I'll bring up another one in a second. But for that one, those are my recommends. If somebody, if a a, a millennial woman asked you, um, I, hey, said, "Hey, Eric, I I love Heat. What what two films would you recommend that I would like that are like Heat?" I would go, I mean, Rafifi is a solid recommend. I actually would say Sexy Beast. Fucking right on. That's a great call. They would love that. I wish I thought of it. That's a really good call. That's a great call. Yep. That uh, that probably would have been a better pick than Ronan. Well. I don't know. I mean, Ronan has the like epic car chase scene, though. That's it's what like, I told what? him about. I was just talking <laughs> about the fucking car chase scene. Um, but Sexy Beast is very, yeah. Oh man, it's it's hardcore, dude. That <laughs> but like is so hard. Some of the be- tightest dialogue in any movie, you know. Not to mention writing, but I, I mean writing, yeah. But how about fucking performances from Sir Ben? Yeah. Man? Oh my god. Are it's you unreal. Fucking kidding me? Yeah. It's All right. unreal. All right. Not surprised to hear you got a super strong one there. Let's hear number two. Now I'm I'm totally putting you on the spot here. I know. Totally putting you on the spot. Oh. I'm trying to think of like another super epic heist film or action, really action. Like it wasn't like necessarily heist. I went heist because that's what I love, but I I might've said the professional. Oh, you know what? That's a really good one too. Cause it's very accessible. Yeah. Um, you know what? That actually is a fucking just as good as mine. Cause it's, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's Besson. It, like he's a yeah. master. Um, the writing is perfect. The performances are perfect. The action is perfect. You got fucking Gary Oldman. You've got yeah. Um, and um, La Femme Nikita maybe as well since yeah. they're like you yep. know, female power. young women. Yes, yeah. hell yeah. See, always do better if you're here. What <laughs> you should you should have been here. All right, now. In the spirit of hot takes, let me move on quickly to okay. um, <laughs> this one. Um, I knew was probably not what they were expecting, and they haven't heard it. They were like, "Well, we like you know, we like rom coms too." Um, they're like, mm. and I was like, "Well, rom- I'm like, I'll, I'll struggle with rom com. I'm like, I if you give me a minute, I could do it." But um, and they were like, and they were like, "Okay, well, just how about how about a movie about love?" A movie about love. And I, I've been drinking tonight. I, I haven't been drinking in a while, but um, I've been drinking. And it, so I was, you know, of course, very, opinions become cemented, right, after yeah. a couple of drinks. And I made the statement, quote, the greatest movie ever made about love is Breaking the Waves. And... <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Which I I will st- I'll stand behind. It's it is 
I, you know, the greatest movie ever made about love is a fuck. Who can say anything? Who can make that yeah. statement about anything? But I will stand behind one of the greatest movies ever made about love is Breaking the Waves. Wow. I I should probably go back and watch that because I watched it and had like a really, I mean, so similar to like a, Lars von Trier movies are not easy to watch. No, and you can so, have an allergic reaction to it. Yeah. You can get sick to your stomach. And I don't know if I was just not in the mood or it was the people that, because I watched it in a group of people. I don't know if it was just the group of people oh, I was God, watching that's with, not but like, group. yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like the first time you watch Dancer in the Dark too. You're a little like, oh. even as a musical or whatever, you're like, oh, this is rough, you know? Oh, um, yeah. It's brutal. So I, I tend to like, it's funny. I tend to like films about, um, like very very unconventional films about love that but that have some charm at the same time so like films like um Junebug and Raising Victor Vargas and You Me and Everyone We Know the Miranda July film um They're great. And then this is not really a film about love but an amazing film about relationships uh Blue Valentine had oh, like a, a pretty strong impact on me. Oh, you know what film? A heist film. Uh, sorry, I just got really excited. Yeah, yeah. Nine, Nine Queens, the Argentinian oh film. Oh my God, that, that is an amazing yeah. fucking movie. Yeah. You turn me on to that, actually. Yeah. God, that film's good. Oh. Um, yeah, so good. Really good. Anyway. Well, um, it, was fun. it was fun to get put on the spot and, and have yeah. to put some GLO... Yeah. I wish muscles. I was there. Me too. It would have been course, a really fun discussion. Oh, it would have been great. I needed a yeah. foil. I needed, or I needed a partner. Yeah. You know, I needed somebody to to check me because, yeah, like the professional, fucking of course, the femme Nikita. The these, those are, and and also like, who knows? I may have been being a dick by fuck. I, I no, because I believe it. But I mean, are they going to enjoy breaking the waves? I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're. I, I seriously doubt it. I don't think they're. What's a good family drama? <laughs> the conversation. Or no, sorry, not the conversation. The celebration. The, the celebration. celebration. The Number celebration. one family genre. Yeah. The fam- Best film ever made about a family reunion. If you like the family stone, <laughs> you're gonna love the celebration. <laughs> <laughs> Home for the holidays? Yeah, yeah. The celebration. You'll love it. Yeah. Yeah. What what of my top films of all time though, seriously. Um, the celebration it's, is like it's perfect in the top five for me. Yeah, yeah, and that's Dogma ninety four material. Like that may yeah. have been. Oh um, yeah, that may have. I don't think it, was it the first one. Um, I don't think it was the first one, but it was among. It was in the first ten for sure. Yeah, it was early on for sure. Yeah, Thomas Thomas Vinterberg. Oh 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 oh, so good. Where where are we gonna go tonight, man? What are we gonna do? Are we gonna do? I've so, got all kinds of. Sh- I got movies. I got fucking TV yeah. shows. I got books. I got all kinds of shit. What do you want? T- help me here. I got. I got some stuff too. Let's let's start off with something that's very timely, okay. which is. Um, do you know what I'll be gone in the dark is? Uh, um, I might. I, uh, ref- I might. I might not. I don't. I, it doesn't ring a bell. So. The comedian Pat Oswalt, who I'm sure you know, of course, is was married to a woman named Michelle McNamara. Yeah, she overdosed. She, she uh, no, she. I don't think she overdosed. She died of like a brain aneurysm or something. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. Either way, she died very suddenly. Yes, um, and she was working on a book that she had meticulously and obsessively researched about the Golden State Killer. Okay. I just saw it because he just tweeted about it like hours yeah. ago. Yeah. So because and she di- she died and he helped with maybe like her editor or whatever finish this book so it was posthumously published. They just caught this guy. They called this fucker today. Yeah. Or last night maybe. Yeah. It was I think like late last night or something. Yeah. Yeah. So this guy was such so fucking terrible and raped and killed so many people that he had names, three different nicknames, the night stalker, the golden state killer and, um, the East area killer. Oh yeah. Cause he was in sack. So he was like, 
Yeah. Yeah. He did Sacramento. He did San Francisco. He went down to Southern California. Oh, he was all people. over California. Yeah. Yeah. And this guy is like, was a cop. And then Correct. he got kicked off the force. And this, all this stuff is like new details that are just coming out. And they haven't released hardly any of the information yet. Nothing. So, uh, but what we just found out was he was kicked off the force because he was buying uh, dog repellent and a claw hand. He, no, sorry, he was shoplifted because he didn't want there to be a record that he had purchased these things. He was shoplifting dog repellent and a claw hammer. Fuck you. Are you serious? So they, they kicked him off the force uh, for getting busted for shoplifting. And which I'm sure was just an excuse at that point because everyone probably knew this guy's a fucking psycho. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he lived at home with his daughter and his mother. And and after he got kicked off the force, he worked at a a supermarket warehouse, like a a distributor for for whatever the fuck. So, you know, the guy was, you know, he he fit the bill. The thing that's terrifying is the way that they caught him was... Well, as you said, they were on to him for reasons unknown. So we don't right. know why, but but they it they seems DNA. awfully coincidental that this woman did this meticulous research and published this book, and then all of a sudden they put the pieces together and catch him. So I'm sure her book played some okay, part. Right? You maybe can, you maybe can't maybe you can't say until we know more info that it's the silver bullet, but it certainly had some sort of an effect. Well, I think the silver. Well, it, it no doubt did. And and what um what influence it had on having them starting to focus on him, we'll find out. But what became, I think the way they got the warrant was um, kind of just like nuts and bolts detective work. Like they literally were digging through trash, got some plastic forks, and got some DNA, matched it to two or three, and then boom, had the arrest warrant and yanked them in. Um, Right. And um, so this guy, for anybody who doesn't know, his modus operandi was to pry open windows He's been doing this for 35 to 40 years. His victims are a um, number in the dozens. Um, he's being charged with three because those are the ones that been, they've been able to match him to. But he's – this is – the the, um, the arresting office likened it to busting Jack the Ripper today. Yeah. Um, it's like at least they think at, at the very least a dozen murders – and like rape and sexual assault in the forties, if not that that they just know of, you know, Correct. that's been reported and stuff. So Correct. Um, His MO was to um that's a Zima being cracked open, by the way. I'm back on the Zimas. Um his MO was to pry open windows, crawl into homes, rape women murder them after the case and also murder any men who may stumble upon the act. Um, this guy was a, a grade triple a shit bag. Yep. Yeah. You know, it, he's, he, I think once we uncover everything, this guy is going to rate up there. He's a Richard Ramirez. I think this guy is going to be a class a, you know, like evil piece of shit, you know, um, so fucking a man, it's an awesome caller. So yeah. psyched. So I I started listening to the audiobook, um, the I'll Be Gone in the Dark audiobook today, which you can get on Audible for like a song. I think it's like twenty bucks or something. Um, and in the introduction, um, one one of the uh, women who was introducing the book was saying that this Michelle McNamara was so meticulous in her research, and she did this research for years. She would do things like she would spent a month tracking down cufflinks that this guy stole from one of his victims, and she actually found them in a pawn shop in California and, like, acquired them. So this woman and This was, is all shit that the police didn't even do. She was gumshoeing like, the shit yes, out of this thing. Yes. She was real life. This is not just, like fucking looking through old case files and doing some internet research. This woman was tracking down leads that the police didn't even bother to track down. Good God. Is that right? I had no idea. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. So, I mean, it's obviously unfortunate that she's not alive to see not only the book published, but the successful capture of this guy. Did you, um, 
did you see the um the the Patton Oswalt uh, comedy special where he talks about his wife? Yes. Did we talk? We I think we may have talked about this. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. I thought it was. The net, I thought the, it was great. The, Recent Netflix thing, yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's crossed his, you know, he, he, you know, quite deliberately crosses some lines with it and brings in real life into comedy in, in a little bit more of a um, stark light than we've seen done. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I thought done with great aplomb. It was, it was really it was well. It was done well, yeah. Yeah. Really um, well so while we're on the crime, the crime theme here. Oh, yeah. I, we love I it. I want to... I want to bring up the second season of Ear Hustle. The Ear Hustle podcast is out. Are you fucking serious, dude? Yeah. It. The, okay. I don't know who should go first here. Let me go first, just to to okay. because I wanted to talk about this. Um. First of all, I was very excited that it came out so quickly. I was expecting a long wait. I because it was so good. I was expecting. Like some kind of like fucking Game of Thrones shit, you know what I mean? But these fuckers are on it, you know. Erlon and um, yep. I forget the woman's name; she's wonderful. Um, but the the two hosts and the two producers, yeah. they're they they're working their asses off. And here's the thing: here's my overall take. I, I still have two, one or two episodes to go in season two, but they took a turn and they got they got a lot more serious. Because to be honest, in season one, it was kind of like. Oh no! You never stabbings. You never see them. You know. You kind of get the feeling. You're like, oh, David Saint Quentin. I don't know. It doesn't sound that bad. You know. Yeah. But <laughs> but they get into some um, some pretty dark territory in season yeah. two. Would you agree? A little bit. Yeah. I mean, I. It, what's fascinating to me is they continue to find these nuances or these themes that they haven't explored yet. Just when you're like, oh, I, I, now I've got a good sense or I know everything there is to know. No, you don't know half the shit that there is yet to know. And yeah, um, no. The, I thought the the thing with the um, did you, have you heard the episode yet with the Fifi? No. The Fifi, like how to make a Fifi? No, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't. It's got to be the next one. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny because you know the so for anyone who hasn't listened to this podcast, I'm not afraid of you ruining it if you want. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't no, know if you want. No, no. I mean, you you'll you'll very quickly pick up what it is from the context of like yeah. having a fee, having a fifi in your cell. You know, I, I can imagine t- taking care of, taking care of the, your male needs. needs you know? Yeah, sure. Yeah. A fifi. I've never heard that term. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of other terms, but I mean, it's normally a, a, a you know. No, this isn't. This doesn't involve another person. Oh, <laughs> now we're talking. See, this fucking thing is so good. It's the best podcast you've ever turned me on to. It's actually it's made me appreciate the the medium. Like it's turned me on to other. Yeah. Like just listening to that, I was like, oh, maybe podcasts. Are a, a, oh god! As, so, as we record our fucking sixty-third yeah. fucking podcast, yeah. So if you if you like that, so just while we're on the podcast, so anyways, everyone should go listen to Ear Hustle. It's amazing. The second season's out. Oh, super man. good. Continues to be amazing. Fucking great. Um, there's a new podcast out from. Oh, uh, oh there you are. Okay. Cool. Also, also from Gimlet. Uh, who does Ear Hustle as well, from Gimlet, called The Habitat. This is just coming out. And what it is is NASA paid six people to live in, a, in an environment that simulates Mars. So they got these six strangers. They put them in a fucking habitat to simulate living on Mars so they can study what happens when people are cooped up together inside like, a, cr- a crazy habitat on Mars. And they let this woman come in and create a podcast about these people. Really? Yeah. Habitat. The Habitat. The Habitat. If you just search the Habitat podcast or Gimlet, the Habitat, it'll come up right away. Motherfucker. That sounds great. (laughs) Um, I'll, I'll throw one out in, in the spirit of keeping things moving here. Um, that I, I think I got turned on to through, Oh, um, 
Okay, no, it was not through, um, it was not through Ear Hustle. I, um, again, I'm, I'm new to, you've listened to this, I'm sure, as many other people have, but, um, Revisionist History is, uh, oh, yeah, is really great. Um, I listened to the, um, I handpicked the episode about, uh, creativity and, um, kind of the Picasso versus Cezanne sort of like immediacy versus like struggle kind of creativity. I highly recommend it's in the title of it is Hallelujah because they, they use, um, Leonard Cohen's song Hallelujah as Mm. sort of a vehicle for the entire thing. It's amazing. Um, and through that, I was turned on to another podcast, which and it's an NPR show. It's been around for fucking ever. I'm way late to the game, but, uh, the moth, um, Oh yeah, of course. Right. Everybody knows it, but, um, I've been driving around in LA traffic crying like a fucking baby for four days. <laughs> Just like... You know, the kindness to strangers episode. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm fucking, you know, I'm just I'm, I'm a mess, you know. Yeah. That, that thing there, is- there, yeah. There's a regular guy on the moth who is an ex NYPD detective and he tells amazing stories. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah. I'm sure yeah, I'll yeah. stumble across him here soon. Yeah. So if you like that, you got to check out Risk. Oh, you know what? That popped up is a recommended one. Yeah. Because yeah. it's the same format as the moth, but as people telling way stories way more on the edge yeah okay really sex immorality like weird bizarre shit are you serious oh yeah because that's all i want the moth to do is to get like a little (laughs) nastier and to get a little bit more real well you need to go with risk you should also go go listen to download the subscribe to the risk podcast and go listen to the one that they just did that was the celebrity stories because it has the story of the woman who at the time she told it on risk, no one had put together the pieces because this was an old story and they just rebroadcast it. But it's her story of having an affair with Donald Trump Jr. (gasps) Really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Wow. Okay, cool. Will do. All right. Um, podcasts. I feel like we're, yeah, uh, we're, we're covered I, off I, on. Um, I think we covered that off. I got a show for you. Okay. Give me, uh, Amazon original. Yes. Amazon prime original. Yes. And I have to, this is an extremely rare occurrence. I don't even know if it's ever happened before. Nicole actually watched this before me and turned me onto this. Nice. Like I said, in the history of watching shows, I don't know if this has happened. I love it. Uh, it's called Mar- the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh yeah, that's that's a, a a highlighted one. Is it good? It's so good. Really? It's incredible. So it's about. It takes place in the same era as Mad Men, New York City. Okay. It's about this woman who she and her husband are having some issues, and um, through matters of circumstance. She ends up becoming sort of a doing stand up comedy and she becomes friends with Lenny Bruce. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's. It's really, really well done and really good. That came. That's not uh, expected, is it? No. Uh, it's from the same people that did the Gilmore Girls. Oh, which yeah. I, I didn't watch, but I've I know never seen it. It's like a, it a cult, a massive cult hit. Yeah. Um, so, anyways. Really, really solid, super good, awesome fashion, you know, from that era and all the stuff. And you okay. get to see, you know, what the Lower East Side was like when it was like full of junkies and really grimy. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, most people, you know, our age and younger obviously didn't experience that. Correct. You know, New York is like post Giuliani, it's just like a Correct. wonderland for the yep. most part. Yep. Um, at least compared to what it was. So, uh, so yeah, the marvelous, marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Mrs. Maisel. It's about nine episodes. Each episode is about thirty to forty minutes. You can burn. You'll burn through it really quick. Oh, right on, right on. Um, I, I'll do it for sure. I've been on the Amazon tip lately um, because my man Bosch is back. Oh yeah. Um, I haven't. I haven't fucked with the late, last couple of seasons of Bosch. Well, um. 
Yeah. All right. So it, here, I'm going to be honest. I, I'm having trouble. I, I, I'm, I'm acting really excited, but I'm having, a, I'm struggling a little bit and I can't tell if it's me because I, I've been a bit distracted when I've started to watch them. And, um, I think I need to wait until the season's out and binge watch it. That's how I, that's how I got turned on right. to it. And we've talked about Bosch before. Um, and I think it's, uh, you know, I love LA noir. Um, as a I loved LA noir. Hell yeah. I loved LA noir before I moved here. Um, and Bosch is very much LA noir. Um, and it's also procedural, which are two things that you and I love. Um, we love procedurals and we love noir. Um, and Bosch is both of those things. And, you know, Titus Welliver is, a, you know, we both yep. like him as well. Very solid. Yep. He's a great, great actor. And he really got um, involved with the Mike McConnelly book. It's, am I saying Mike, that right? Michael Connelly. Yep. Sorry, Michael Connelly. Um, um, and I think from what I read, I've never read the books, but people are, are in general, people that are fans of the novels are fans of the adaptation. So, um, yeah, usually a good sign. Yeah. But I'm struggling a little bit with a new season, but, I, but to be clear, that is no judgment. I, I, it could be very well be me. Um, right. So I, I love I my got, man. Yeah. I got a movie reco. Come on. I've been telling everyone about. Yeah. Give me. I really loved it. Have you seen the Florida Project yet? Oh my god! It okay. It pops up fucking everywhere. I've been that movie has been on at the very top of my list for since I first heard about it, which is before it was released. I heard about it. He was on um, Willem Dafoe was on on WTF, um, Mark Maron's famous yep. podcast, and he talks about the Florida Project, and I was like, oh my god, because they shot this thing for zero money. In a yeah. in a working motel, um, and they used a lot of the a lot of the actors that are in it are from people who are actually living at the motel. It's real people casting, exactly yeah. right. And uh, the director Sean Baker sort of rose to prominence because he did a film called Tangerine about two yes transsexual women living in L.A. Um, so Sean Baker, this is his second film. He the he cast this young girl. Um, one of the only ones who was cast this, uh, named Brooklyn Prince. And then he found this Instagram influencer woman and was like, she has to be the one who plays the mother in this thing. Uh, this woman named Bria Venate, who had never seen before, but felt like you can't imagine that this woman is like even acting. You know? And then Willem really? Dafoe was really great in it, but the three of them were sort of like the main cast. The mother, the daughter, and then Willem Dafoe as this hotel manager. But yeah, it's... Oh my god! So so incredible, really yeah. worth it. Not I, a rom com, not a heist film, but you can no, recommend it to, to these ladies. But. Yeah, and for anybody who doesn't know, um, and my knowledge is as deep as the trailer, but um, basically it's a, a story of young adolescents um, dealing with life um, in in a residential, not even a residential motel, but a. a her her mom is turning tricks, right? And she's having tr- she's struggling with drugs. She's just struggling to survive. And Willem Dafoe is seeing this young girl kind of struggle to deal with, um, you know, growing up in the in that environment. Is the is the my interpretation of the trailer? Yes. Um, and the film. I next time we talk, I I will have seen it. And you know what's amazing yeah. about the film is. Um, I, I would love to hear more about their distribution deal because they they that's a fucking spray and fucking they they that is a film for the people because it's on fucking it's on Amazon Prime for free it's hmm. on it could yeah. I, I want to say it's on Netflix but that can't I saw be it on real. Delta I yeah. that's where that's where I saw it too yeah. uh, well I saw it available um right. and, and I passed it by and I'll tell you for what in this minute, but um okay. but yeah, that that thing um it feels it feels like uh it, it has all the I, I'm drawn to it because it feels Herzog, it feels von Trier, it feels very yeah. kind of verite sort of 
you know, kind of shit that I'm drawn to. And, and I just, you know, Willem Dafoe, I am just such an enormous fan of his work with Lars von Trier aside. Um, I'm just a yeah. huge fan of his because he, he chooses films for the right reason, you know? Um, and that dude is, I don't know. He's the real McCoy. I, I'm, I'm a big fan. Um, as we continue to move quickly, I, I will say I passed past, I, I went past the Florida project to, I had a long flight. It was, um, I don't know. I was in the air for 12, 13 hours. It was a fucking wow. marathon. Um, and, uh, I watched a bunch of movies. Among them, I watched The Darkest Hour. Mm. Which I watched is, that too. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's hard when you watch a film on a plane on a flight, and especially a, a flight that's not for like this is a really long flight, and it wasn't like I was just shooting off to do a quick business trip or something. Like this was an extended trip. I really missed my family, so I was super emotional anyway. And I'm a huge like Churchill has a special yeah. place in my life. Um, so it's I guess what I'm saying is it's difficult for me to say whether it is a good film or not. Um, I think I'm extremely impressed, as always, by Gary Oldman. Um, production values through the roof. Cinematography is actually extremely strong. Um, construction of the film, um, like how it ties to the actual, to real life, and that I haven't been able to reflect on that yet. Um, what's your thought? I thought it was... A- as far as like, uh, I thought it was an interesting slice of Churchill to sort of take and create a film about and, you know, shine a spotlight on. I mean, it's three because, weeks, isn't it? Yeah. You're, you're often seeing him either how he sort of first rose to prominence or you're seeing him as like the sort of conquering hero. And I guess I didn't realize, you know, since we're not from that country, you think of Churchill as being this sort of pr- like very presence with like a long shadow and to to learn that like he was voted out in like the next election after the war it was like the the most amazing wartime prime minister you could ever have and then you're thank you very much sir on to the next on to the next so and and also like indoctrinated grudgingly right right i mean it was like it was like who are we going to feed this shit sandwich to because neville campbell or is that his name? Campbell Neville, yep. whatever the fuck his name yep. was. And, and before the film, I knew that I, that guy, you know, and the, this is coming from an American fucking idiot, but that guy is always, you know, it, in the view, looking yeah. back on that time, you're like, that guy's Neville f- Chamberlain. Neville, Neville Chamberlain, Chamberlain, thank you. You're yeah. like, you fucking spineless piece of shit. You come flying. There's that famous scene of him waving the piece of paper when he lands from Berlin that, oh, Hitler promised not to fucking do anything. And you're like, you fucking pansy. Um, but at any rate, um, it, um, it, you, I mean, you have to watch it. You have to watch The Darkest Hour. It's yeah. Gary Oldman plays Winston Churchill. Yeah. For fuck's sake, you have to watch it. But it's, it is so amazing to see all that other context about how those guys wanted to like strike a treaty with Hitler and how it would have changed the course of world history if... Churchill hadn't stepped in in it, that it, moment. It's, it, yeah, that's what that 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 was one of the things about the film that or you're like, and and that the the film I think does a nice job of illustrating about that fragile time in our collective history that shit was like could have very easily tipped either way. You know, it's hard to. Um, not be nervous about the times we live in now when you look at that and you're like, oh, you know, you're like, oh, he stopped it, you know, Kim stopped testing nuclear weapons because he's trying to be nice and it's, well, no, he's fucking because he doesn't need to test them anymore. He's already ready to fucking launch them on us. Um, Sorry, (laughs) I digress into territory that we do not cover on this podcast. Um, Let me talk about um, another movie I watched, that flight, which was, uh, I watched a few, um, 
I watched The Phantom Thread, which, oh my God, that is some shit. Um, <laughs> like, the, I mean, I, I, I hesitate to even try and tackle it. Um, and you know what? I'm not going to because there's too much genius and there's not enough time for us to talk about it. Let, let me just say, I mean, I guess I can say that um, they use mechanics in the film that I did not expect that would happen. Have you seen it? I have not seen it yet. Okay. I've heard mixed reviews from people. Yeah, that's fine. Um, they use a mechanic in the film, one specifically that I did not expect and was you know simultaneously floored and extremely uncomfortable with it made me uncomfortable the entire time and hmm. whether it was its intent or not i don't know but that's the effect that they had on me um it, it took great effect like it, it made the movie that much more powerful to me um i think the movie is genius i think anything that i think daniel day lewis is the greatest yeah. actor ever in film pretty much um again i'm making bold statements tonight <laughs> bold statements um so uh that was great but i should say um on a, on a quick note um not that not a, it deserves passing over but i watched the darkest hour in in also, you know, two, three weeks prior, I've been really digging into, I believe I mentioned this last time, I've been really digging into all of the Netflix um, content on, like, World War II in color, the Nazi megastructures, Hitler's mm. bodyguard. They have a ton of World War II content that is super strong. And um, so I've been kind of primed for it. So I watched The Darkest Hour, and they also had on the list, they had Dunkirk. Oh, yeah. Um which, that ties in nicely to the darkest hour. Oh, does it ever? And I'll yeah. tell you to um you know, I know the history, I know what happened during that time. Um just because I know the history of World War II and um and I it, which is why I know to question some of the things in the darkest hour. Um and again, I'm, I I need to see it again and and put it in in better in a better light um before I I really decide. But um, but to see Dunkirk directly after it, it's like, you know, it was great and, and it doesn't, you expected it to be super sappy and, um, in comparison, but it's really well constructed. It's the, 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 the structure of that film is really interesting. It's complex. It's very advanced and mature and well done and well written and well acted. I, I recommend that film highly. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. It's once again a, like a shining a spotlight on a part of pivotal moment in world history that if things had gone differently would have dr dramatically changed. Maybe you could say that about a lot of things related to World War II, but um yeah, interesting film, well done, well shot. Right? Uh yeah, I liked it. Um so I uh I'm going to do this one last one and we should wrap it up because my iPad I I didn't fully charge the battery because I was actually watching the show that Kaya had recommended. Um, Which it's a one? New, it's a new Netflix or newer Netflix series, Collateral. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, that, yeah. She emailed that to both of us, didn't she? Yes, she did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I haven't, I haven't so, gotten on that yet. So I just picked it up. I'm into the first episode, but like far enough in that you can see like really good. Speaking of kind of procedural mystery, it's sort of like the night of meets like a sort of British kind of crime procedural. Oh God. Um, like it's got some political elements to it about immigration and sort of Muslims living in London and a murder mystery and interesting. All sorts of pop British politics wrapped up in it. Yeah. So it's really good so far. Okay. So I was watching that like right up until we started recording the podcast and well, let's really enjoying it. We're Looking good. Digging we're, back in. we're at an hour. Um, and plus I'm around. Do you have a lot of travel coming up? Uh, I don't, I'm around all next week. Killer. So. I am too. Let's do another one fast. Um, let me, let me drop one last one. Um, go for it real quick. Um, as everybody knows, Mubi is my favorite streaming service. And right now, um, I'm, hot on i'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to make a horror movie 
um, and I, which we need to talk about. You and I need to talk about. Yeah. And I want to talk to everybody about it. But um, there is a film on Mubi right now that popped up a couple days ago. Um, Pere Portabella is... Um, He's an innovative Spanish director. He did a lot of stuff. Um, he's famous for his um, his time, his stint in Spanish cinema pushed against against the Franco regime, and that is kind of mm. his place in in Spanish cinema history. And he has a film up um, right now on Mubi, which you cannot find. I've never been able to find it. Um, this it's a film from 1970 called Vampire. Um, mm. And it's a documentary, um, one of the most unique and experimental documentaries about the making of a film. It's a documentary of the making of a horror film, which is hmm. I'm right now I'm making a film about the making of a musical. So um, I'm very excited to, uh, to watch this thing and see how it's done cool. by, by somebody who knows what they're doing. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad we finally got back at it here. Me too, man. And, it was good. Um, it was good to chat. Thanks to all of our faithful listeners for hanging in there and putting up with the t- the sort of gap in between episodes. Yeah, sorry um, about that. Lots of travel. We'll, g- we'll get back into it. Um, for anyone who hasn't left a review or a rating, please, if you could go to iTunes and um, leave a short review, let us know where you're from. And what you like, even what you don't like, we want to hear from you. And it helps other people, when you rate and review, helps other people discover the podcast, discover great movies, great books, great music, great film, great food. Um, So we'd appreciate it. And thank you, as always, to Kaya Fisher for the audio engineering assistance and even occasionally hot picks, so like collateral. So thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. All right, see everybody.